Hey, Megan. Yeah? I got something for you. Oh, I got something for you, but not till Christmas. Oh, well, I got you this meat pie. Wait, Mark, has this actually happened? Why are you acting like it's a bit? You gave me meat pie. Yeah, but what I didn't tell you is what was in the meat pie. You told me that it was like lamb and beef. No. No? It was all your pets. I would literally murder you. Welcome to Avant Bard, a podcast where two theater nerds discuss the highest highs and the lowest lows of works inspired by that upstart crow himself, William Shakespeare. My name is Matthew James Marquez, and I use he, him pronouns. And my name is Megan Charlotte, and I use she, her pronouns. Just as a heads up, before we start this episode, I want to give a content warning for sexual assault a lot of violence, discussions of racism. If you are uncomfortable, please feel free to skip this episode. We would much rather you feel safe than you hear us talk about this one movie. Listen to one of the other ones. Today we are discussing the 1999 film Titus, written and directed by Julie Taymor, who co-produced with Jodie Patton and Conchita Arioldi, and Julie Taymor also wrote the screenplay. The film was a co-production of the United States, the United Kingdom, and Italy, and was produced by Overseas Film Group and Clear Blue Sky Productions, and was released by Fox Searchlight Pictures. If you couldn't guess, Titus is an adaptation of William Shakespeare's play, Titus Andronicus. I'm gonna be real with you, I have a lot of notes about Julie Taymor. I know. I like Julie Taymor. If it's a director I actually know and like, I'm going to have more notes about it. I went to college with you. I know you like Julie Taymor. So Julie Taymor is known for her combination of puppetry, representation becoming presentation, and a mixing of cultural styles from all over the world, which makes her productions on film and on stage very stylized. One thing is that Julie Taymor loves her a mask. She loves masks. Who doesn't love masks? In my opinion, Julie Taymor doesn't always hit the mark in terms of exciting an audience. But I love her. I cannot help but love her. She's the kind of person that will give an interview and in the middle of giving an explanation, she'll just like shake her head and go, To me, she is the wacky theater teacher with scarves. And feelings boiled down to the bare essentials. She is like a stereotype in and of herself. She's directed five feature-length films, with Titus being her first and my personal favorite of hers. There's Titus, there's Frida, there's Across the Universe, there's The Tempest, I'm sure we'll cover one day. And then there's the film about Gloria Steinem that everyone saw that was released in 2020. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm reading here that it made $53,000 and was only released in the Netherlands. It's weird because I feel like Julie Taymor is this name that I've heard so many times. is like, she's a big director. But I'm like, is she... What has she done? (laughs) Well, Megan, it is because, it is solely because of her one huge financial success. 
she directed the Broadway Lion King. I don't know how I didn't know that. How did you not know that? That Lion King is full of, like, gazelles or dancers with gazelles that are attached to their forearms. I mean, when you say it like that, it seems very Julie Taymor. Oh, the lions got little lion heads over their real heads so that when they bow their heads, the lion is the main thing. Lion King on Broadway is one of the longest running Broadway musicals of all time. I believe it's about to celebrate its like 23rd year on Broadway. The Lion King made Julie Taymor the first woman to win a Tony Award for musical direction. She also developed Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, one of the least successful Broadway musicals of all time for which she was summarily fired and kind of hasn't recovered. I like that she is literally like number one and numbers zero. (laughs) Listen, she runs the gamut. Not many people can say that they are the worst and best at something. (laughs) And listen, if there's one person who can, it's Julie Taymor. So back to Titus, you know, the film that we are going to discuss today. Yeah. Titus originally began as a stage production that Tamor directed and had, like, one set. Her collaborative work with artists from all over the world netted her this film. You know, she, throughout her adulthood, would just go and be like, I'm opening up a theater in Indonesia, and she would just do it. How? Was she just old money? I mean, she had been studying theater since she was 10 years old, so... She just decided early on that's what I want to do with my life and made it her own. And honestly, I I respect her. I do. I have no idea what that would be like. But I I will say, she did have a huge support system. Yeah. I respect her, but I also understand that she had means. She didn't pull herself by her bootstraps. Her family sent her off to training in Sri Lanka, an experimental theater at the age of 15, and she graduated high school at the age of 16 and went to Paris to do theater. She had the means. Yeah. But all of that world traveling helped her make this film, so I can't fault it. And I think the fact that she was given so much power in this film is ridiculous it it was her first film it was her first feature-length film and she was given 20 million dollars to work with they went to a coliseum in croatia because the roman coliseum is unusable but they were like cool we have a coliseum in croatia that you can use they used 150 locations for this film i can't even think of 150 locations And the film made $2 million. I think something that's interesting to note is that the production of Titus, the cast worked on the actual text, the script, for three weeks prior to principal photography for the film. Is that a little or a lot? It's a lot, Megan. I don't know shit about film. That's like saying... Hi, you know the eight weeks we usually work on a play? We're actually going to work on it like eight weeks more. It's like if your table work was the length of your rehearsal process. It's unheard of for you to do that much work. Like they just, it was all just working on the script. Figuring out character, figuring out the language. Like, that doesn't happen in movies, and I've never heard of a Shakespeare adaptation that took that amount of time. 
because time and money, both of those are very important. You can't just say like, hi, we're going to take three weeks to do this. It's like, no, we need to get this uh, done. We only have so much money to spend on this film. You know, if you just have like actors and a space, it's a lot less money. But this is a film with cameras and crew and sets. Dang. I mean, they're pretty good at the language, so. Yeah, uh, so this film shouldn't exist. That's my expert opinion. With the fact that Julie Taymor is a new time director, that she was given this much creative control and the actors had this much time to work on this film, this film should not exist. And in fact, it really doesn't because it's hard to find streaming. Almost impossible. But libraries exist. And YouTube. YouTube. (laughs) Completely legitimate YouTube. Anthony Hopkins' Titus film historical drama. I will say we also checked it out from the library, but it was only available to pick up today. So we already watched it before the library. I have a question for you, Megan. Yeah. Why would you want to make a film about Titus Andronicus? I like Titus Andronicus. Okay, that's that's not very convincing, Megan. I need you to talk more about Titus Andronicus. Oh. Explain to oh, me. Oh, okay. I'm being a little... Please just do the part of the podcast yeah, that you're yeah, supposed yeah, to yeah, do. Yeah, 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 yeah. You want me to tell the good people about... Good friend Titus My good Andron- friend Titus Andronicus. <laughs> Wait, can I start, Megan? Can I start? Yeah. Titus is a terrible person. That's a good start. It's accurate. So... Titus Andronicus is a fighter man in Rome, and he has a whole legion of family who's all fighter men, and his wife, uh, goodbye. She's not here. And he has one daughter, but she doesn't matter yet. So they're in war against the Goths, and like, oh boy, so many. Preps versus Goths. Yeah. And boy, the preps are not doing well, but actually they won. So, sorry, tangent here. Rome won against the Goths. Yeah. But, like, all of Titus's kids died. <laughs> the Pyrrhic victory. Yeah, that's true. That is a phrase that exists for a reason. So, he comes back. They've captured the Queen of the Goths and her sons. So, Titus is like, hey, since I hate you, we're going to murder your son. And she's like, no, please don't murder my son. And then they do anyway. And then she... Well, Megan, spoilers, you can't say the whole plot. Oh, you don't want me to go scene by scene of one of my favorite Shakespeare plays? All right, so let me well, just... Well, Megan, the thing is, this is a direct it's adaptation a... of... So we're going scene by scene. Okay, uh, so wait, why am I doing this then? Okay, no, it's fine. No, just tell me the gist of Titus. The gist of Titus is it's a really bloody romp by Shakespeare that is mostly about revenge. And Shakespeare doesn't really have... That's a lie. He has revenge tragedies... <laughs> But this one's like a weird tragic comedy. This is like his first tragedy, right? I believe so. Okay. And it is just the most ridiculous. It's got your mom jokes. It's got a lot of blood. It's weird. It's a weird, weird play. So why do you like it? Because it's weird. Okay. And, like, it's got your mom jokes. And if people are, don't know Shakespeare, they're, they're not expecting a your mom joke that is not written by the director in the 21st century and added in to make it new. Like, no, that's an original, early modern your mom joke. 
Yeah, I've always wanted to direct Titus. I really like the characters, and by that I mean they're all horrible, and I hate all of them except for the worst person in it. Always Sunny and Titus and Drummond. I think they're worse than the It's Always Sunny cast. I just like the idea of the whole thing about Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Is that they're all bad people. They're all bad people, and I feel that in a very similar vein, Titus Andronicus. They're all bad people. No one is good. No. And, like, you can sympathize with them in moments, but then you'll step back and be like, not that you deserved it, but you're terrible. Uh, it's time for an acting corner, Megan. Is it very long? Uh, yeah. Let's try to go as fast as possible, because I know you like that. I do like that. I do like a speed run. Anthony Hopkins, Titus Andronicus himself, played Hannibal Lecter. You know him. He won an Academy Award for that role. He was Odin in the Marvel films until he died. He recently won an Academy Award for The Father, where he presumably played a father. He's also won two Emmys for Outstanding Lead Actor in a limited series or movie in 1976 and 1981. That was a long time ago, Megan. You didn't even write what he won him for? No. <laughs> okay. He does a lot of stuff, Megan. He's in so much stuff. He's just kind of like a guy who you get to do things. He was in the Transformers movie, for Christ's sake. Jessica Lang is Tamara, Queen of the Goths. I don't know why I say it like that. <laughs> so any queer person would know her for her many varied roles on American Horror <laughs> Story. But she also has a Tony, Oscar, and an Emmy. She just needs a Grammy? Yeah. And she, then she EGOT? She got EGOT. They call that a triple crown, Megan. What mm. she has. She has Oscars for Tootsie and Blue Sky, and Emmys for Grey Gardens and American Horror Story Murder House, and America Horror Story Coven. She got a Tony Award for Long Day's Journey Into Night in 2016. So, like, even though she has been an actress for a long time, she really only got her Tony in the past five years. And two of her Emmys, pretty recent. Yeah, so, like, listen. She's, she's still going. She's kicking. Yeah, she's going. All right, Megan, my favorite. Oh, man. We got Alan Cumming as Saturninus, and I just wrote in my notes here, Fooloops, Fooglies. Do you remember Spy Kids, Megan? Did you I remember watch? Spy Kids 3D. Well, that's only because it had Elijah Wood in it, but we're not here to discuss Elijah Wood. Do you think that God... <laughs> 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 Do I think that God uh, doesn't? Do you think that God stays in heaven because he's afraid of what he's created here on Earth? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, that's the that's the line that Steve Buscemi says in Spy Kids 2. Isle of Lost Dreams or Island of Lost Dreams? I don't know. But I don't think I've seen it past that moment. In all three of those films, Alan Cumming makes an appearance as Fegan Floop. He is a bisexual actor. Hey. Who won a Tony for his... <laughs> what? Hey. I just gotta respect him. He won a Tony for his role as the MC in a revival of Cabaret. I could totally see him as that role. Yeah, I mean, so could the Tonys. Yep. He did what I call a queer trilogy as he was in Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, Spice World, and Josie and the Pussycats. 
Oh, and of course, Megan. Of course. He was Kurt Wagner Nightcrawler in X2, X-Men United. I'm sorry, you wrote Nightcrawler. <laughs> I'm sorry, I did write it in the accent. We have uh, Colm Fjord. He plays Marcus Andronicus. And he's like an actor's actor, meaning he's just like a supporting character in like so many things. It's one of those things that like people on the street would be like, who? But if you talk to an actor, they'd be like, oh yeah, I worked with that guy. Yeah, he's great. I only put him on here because he's uh, in Slings and Arrows season two as Sanjay. He's great. Yeah. We'll talk about it someday. Yep. That should just be a slogan of this podcast at this point. Slings and Arrows. We'll talk about it someday. Others of note are Jonathan Reese Myers as Chiron, who was Henry VIII in The Tudors, and uh, Laura Fraser as Lavinia, who was Kate in Knight's Tale. Oh, that is her! And I need to mention Henry Lennox as Aaron, because he played Aaron in Titus, and I think he was a good actor. He's been in many other things, but mostly I know him as Aaron in Titus. I agree with that. You know how I think we can honor him best? Starting the film. Titus Andronicus, Act 1, Scene 1. Very much like Shakespeare intended. The movie begins in a kitchen with a child destroying a bunch of action figures and food bits. He's wearing a paper bag mask. Yeah, I think he looks like he's going to be a serial killer when he grows up. It's scary. So he's doing this this uh, nonsense, just like Shakespeare would have wanted. But then it turns out that there's like a war or something. and In reality. In reality. And then everything blows up. And this guy's carrying him. And he walks down the stairs and they walk into a coliseum. And the guy is gone and he picks up a Titus Andronicus action figure. With real pie making action. I'd buy it. And then there's a bunch of marching mud men. They are, like, walking toy soldiers. Like, yeah. somebody is, like, moving them. So it's and, like they're the action figure, but they're animate. It's cool. But this goes on for very long, and I always feel like it's going to be a musical number, because it's a very strong beat. But really, it's just Julie Taymor wanting to do things. She loves doing things, Megan. And it turns out that this is the lead into a funeral for Titus Andronicus's 13 million dead sons. It's 25, but that's still so many sons. I mean, Titus gives a speech. How does he have that? He's a man. He could have sons from many women. Oh, I was trying to do the math. I was like, if he had one wife, she would need to have a child every year from age 16. Always triplets. Always triplets. (laughs) Triplets every time. Age 16 to age 50. She would need to have a child every year. That's not even all of them. That wouldn't be all of them. Because it's 25 and he still has like eight and Lavinia. And he only got one daughter out of all of those? Wild. Anyway. Uh, So Titus gives a speech. It's Anthony Hopkins. Here he is. He's in a little suit of armor. And he's basically just like, listen, I had a lot of sons, but now I don't got that many. And that's basically the speech. Yeah. He's just like, look what we did for Rome. We killed all my sons. Good job, us. And the kid from the beginning is now part of this, but he is still dressed as a modern child. So I kind of feel like this is an episode of Wishbone. So please forgive me for the fact that I'm going to call this child Wishbone for the rest of time. Okay. Also, just a weird random thing I want to say. 
for the amount of named characters in Titus Andronicus, they could have, like, given us people's names here. Little, like, subtitles on Yes! It. They could have. Little cards that tell us who all these ding-dang people are. You know who does do that? The Midsummer from 2017. Yeah. And, like, it wouldn't be out of place with how Julie Taymor does no. everything. So I, I just feel kind of cheated, because I think it would be nice to have. We also have prisoners brought in, including Tamara, Queen of the Goths, her children, and Aaron, Megan's boyfriend. Excuse you. Your husband. He's Tamara's boyfriend. <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. Another thing to note is that there's a lot of anachronism with things. There's motorcycles with wolf's heads on them. There's, like, Renaissance tanks, what look like Da Vinci designs. It's all a hodgepodge of, like, the history of Italy. That's, like, Tamar's whole thing. In case I didn't mention this earlier, Julie Tamar likes doing a lot. Oh, that is her main mode. She's like, I think the spaghetti's cooked, so I threw the entire pot at the wall, right? This is why she has the highest, (laughs) best (laughs) musical on Broadway and the worst one. This is the reason, because when you aim big, you either win big or you fail big. We're in the little funeral area for the Andronisai. Yes. And Titus is like, Tamara, I'm going to sacrifice your oldest son, you know, as vengeance for the 25 sons of mine I lost. It's only one. It's only one. I mean, she did not start with like 37. That's fair. And maybe it's proportionally one. Maybe. And I feel like this is where I'm going to start kind of tracking the characters of Tamara, Titus, and Aaron specifically. Oh, they're the three most important characters. Because they're the most important characters that you can do a lot with. And I feel like in this scene, as Tamara begs for her son to be spared, Julie Tamar is absolutely trying to make us sympathize with Tamara and see Titus as a monster. Because he is. He is. But it's interesting because if you were to say the number one actual villain in this, it would be Aaron because he's black and people are racist. But then... It would be Tamara. Yeah. But I feel like for a majority of this film, Julie Taymor definitely wants us to sympathize with her. And I respect that because it makes her far more interesting and makes the entire play more interesting. Yeah. I mean, no one is right in this film. And I think that Julie Taymor understands that. And she showcases that by having us sympathize with Tamara from the get go. Jumping off your point, another thing that I think that Julie Taymor does well is she doesn't give a shit about her actors looking into the camera and looking at the audience and connecting with them, which for some reason, filmmakers like to have their little world that cannot be breached. And Julie Timor does not give a shit. She is firmly from the world of theater. And the way that she showcases characters connecting with you is looking at you. And sometimes when you don't expect that, it is a bit startling because film so rarely does that. Yeah. But it is effective and it is what you'd be getting in the playhouse. I like characters talking to us. I like it. 
I've always liked it. I like characters who look at the camera and smirk. I don't know. Jim is one of the most loved characters of The Office. Yeah. Why can't Shakespeare be more like The Office? Well, no, no, I'm saying like... No, Megan. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. Why can't Shakespeare no. be more like... Another interesting choice that is pretty consistent in this is, as I mentioned, Titus Andronicus is an incredibly gory play. Julie Tamer does not show it. It's fascinating, right? So this whole scene is about the sacrifice of a son. And all we see is his entrails being put into a fire. And they're not bloody. They're just tubes. I remember so vividly thinking that this movie was far more visceral than it is. Like, in my memory, yeah, I was like, oh yeah, Julie Tamer, she like takes big swings with the violence. And I'm like, no, no, she doesn't. And it's, She alludes to the violence. And it's great. <laughs> the thing that she does is she psychologically makes you feel like you're going to see some horrid shit. And then she doesn't show it. She is not sensationalist like that. And it's weird because she usually is sensationalist about everything else. What I will say she's a little too much of a fan of is green screens with fire behind actors when they feel vengeful thoughts. Well, yeah, and that's because you obviously need to know that they have vengeful thoughts. They can't just stand there. It's those moments which this happens after the entrails are put in the sacrificial pyre, basically, that we see Tamara and there's just like fire behind her as she looks mad. And I'm like, Julie Tamar, trust us. We, we know. We know she's mad. She lost her son. She was pleading for him to be saved. And Jessica Lange was delivering a stellar-ass performance. I understand this is a film, and you've never gotten to do a feature-length film, and you're so happy to do the special effects, but um, you don't need it. Because she is in a world of theater. She comes from a world of theater. And theater loves a dumb show. It is something that doesn't quite work as well on film, because you can get a close-up of an actor's face. You can showcase the constraint that they are... Yeah, and you've got someone like her, you've got this Tamara, you can feel like you're reading her mind. You know her emotions. She's a good actress. One of my notes is, if I were Titus, I simply wouldn't do this thing. That is just, in general, the entire play. I could say that about every action Titus takes. Titus is infuriating. Yes! He makes every wrong decision. He's gonna do another one in the next scene! Where we meet Saturninus and Bassanius. Saturninus, a sci-fi villain who's super gay, obviously. What is the archetype here? The archetype to me is like Eddie Redmayne in Jupiter Ascending. A film which I know you've seen, obviously. Because everyone watched it. That's why it made so much money. There is something about the effeminate, weak son that is so sci-fi. Yeah. I agree with you. It It is very like he exudes energy of somebody who is campaigning for something that is far beyond his strength. I'm going to tell you who he looks like and you're going to agree with me. Okay. He looks like Jean-Baptiste Emmanuel Zorg from Fifth Element, a.k.a. Gary Oldman. Yes, 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 yes. A thousand percent. Yes. That's what he looks like. When did Fifth Element come out? 1997. So like two years before this. Uh, I could tell you with certainty. 
I don't think Julie Taymor has seen The Fifth <laughs> Element. Probably maybe by now, but not in the first two years. The other person we meet is Bassianus, who looks like um, white bread. No, Megan, you know what he looks like? He looks like a priest in training. He looks like Mindy Kaling's ex-boyfriend on a sitcom. Yes. He's white bread. Yeah. He's like, I'm daddy's little politician. Nice to meet you. And I'm like, wow, I really like young Gary Oldman more. Well, you're probably not going to in the future, Megan. Spoilers. So we see Marcus. He's stepping up to a little news thing and it says SPQR News. And I was like, I wonder what that is. And then I was like, oh, it's an actual historical thing. Because you know what it means, Megan? The Senate and the Roman people. Megan, it's Senatus Populusque Romanus. Yeah, I don't know Latin. It means... Uh, the Senate and the Roman the people. The Senate and the Roman people. Yeah, it is what they put on all their public works like sewer grates yeah. in actual Rome. And having it be like public news station announcement thingy. Anyway, he's like, come on, guys, calm down. I know we've got two boys in cars and everyone's <laughs> freaking out. But oh, wow, Titus Andronicus and his remaining sons have arrived. A few things about this scene. A, Saturninus is in a Pope mobile. Yeah. He's got like shielding on all sides, like someone's going to snipe him. And Bassianus is white bread. He doesn't even have a bread box. Well, he's in a nice, fancy car, but seems a little bit more open. The building that they're standing in front of, which is this tall, brutal-looking building, is from fascist Italy. The building was from Mussolini's era. So, again, we're mixing up different time periods of Italy and Rome, and the senators are wearing nice Italian suits with the little sash in front of it, again, mixing up fashions. And the actual purpose of the scene is... We need to choose an emperor. Our old guy died. Oh, we've got all these options, but the option we're going with is Titus Andronicus. I mean, he's a hero of war. What have the other ones done? Nothing? Ben Sons? Yeah. And Titus is like, haha, no. I don't want that. I'm a fighter. I'm not a politician. And I'm like, yeah, respect. Yeah, for one reason and one reason only, Titus is like, Saturninus should be emperor. And that reason is that Saturninus is the elder brother. Well, and Saturninus like gets mad that it's <laughs> like Titus was offered this one rude. I should have been offered it Two, He said no. I would have said yes. And then he's like, yeah, make it him. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you make great decisions, Titus Andronicus. Terrible. Good job. Great job. Absol so glad. Absolutely dog shit. Everything he does, Titus Andronicus. And then a discordant melody is played so that we know, oh, this was a bad choice. <laughs> the audience, they can't know unless there's a melody to tell you. I mean, I think we know. <laughs> I think we know because he's styled like Gary Oldman from The Fifth Element. I don't know what you're talking about. Only very honorable and trustworthy men dress like that. So Saturninus gets his big wolf chair. Yeah, that's basically what I was going to say. There's just a big statue of a wolf in, a, in the Senate room. And then underneath this big wolf is a big chair for the emperor made out of metal. Which, like the throne from Game of Thrones, 
can't be comfortable to sit But it's in. weird because it's a huge chair that looks like a plush chair. But, it's, but it's made out of metal. It's weird. It's opposite Game of Thrones, but not because it's still made of metal. But he's just like, I'm gay. I'm gay. I love to have sex with women. And Bassanius is like, hi, Titus. I'm dating your daughter, Lavinia. I'm going to kiss her right here, right now. And Saturninus goes, great idea. I'm going to marry Lavinia. And Titus goes, great idea. Bassanius, let go. And as a gift for becoming emperor, Titus gives Saturninus his sword and some prisoners. And in walks Tamara, dressed up like she walked straight out of 1999's film The Mummy, all gold-plated. And Saturninus goes, Auga, I'm not gay. I want a frick-frack Tamara. I want a big-titty goth GF. And he's like, oh man, if I didn't already betroth myself to Lavinia, hooey, would I be a Tex Avery wolf with my eyes bulging out of their sockets. And then Bassanius and Lavinia run away. And they're like, we're going to elope. You can't catch us. She can't marry you if you can't catch us. And Titus is like, wait, no, wait, this is bad. <laughs> I promise I'll return her to you. And Saturninus is like, I literally could not care less. And Titus is like, hey, stop. And then his son is like, dad, don't do this. And he's like, don't do what? And stabs him. Like a good dad. He's a great dad. Titus is there. And then... Poor Sonniest, His Megan. other son is just like, dad, that was my brother, your son. And Titus is like, no, no son of mine would act like that. And then the alive son picks up the dead son and carts him away. And almost immediately, Saturninus comes out and goes, hey, what's up? Oh. I don't want Lavinia, actually. It's been 2.5 seconds. Tamara, I'm going to marry Tamara. Will you marry me? And I feel like she has this really weird response, just like facially, because she looks almost unsure before she's like, yes, of course. Well, Megan, who could have? freaking predicted that any of this would happen i mean i guess this is just good fortune for tamara i know i just feel like her acting i don't know it's almost like in that moment she seems weak like in an unprepared way but i guess i've just always thought of her as more steps ahead of the game than people yeah but how could she be ahead of this game she doesn't saturninus has been undressing her with his eyes but she doesn't say anything that's my thing if she doesn't say anything how can you play that? You are still in the wolf's den. Everyone around you wants to kill you, and Saturninus eyeing you, Megan? That's a threat. That's No, not... no, no. It's not in those moments. It's literally when he's just like, I'm going to marry her. And she has like two seconds before she says anything where she looks like, oh, no, what am I going to do? And I'm just like, I mean, it, it is what? to me, that still comes from that same place. It comes yeah. from. It is such a... Is this dr- some sort of dishonored plot that's going to be terrible for me? How could you ever predict any of what's happening to Tamara, what happened to her in the course of less than 24 hours? It yeah. is hard she, to... She is going through a lot real yeah. fast. She just lost her son less than like two hours ago and now is the queen of Rome? Anyway, Titus himself, he's very sad. 
And he's walking back home. And we know he's sad because he walks past a bunch of sex workers that Julie Tamar decided to show us. And he doesn't even sleep with any of them. No. He doesn't even, like, smooch them. He must be very sad. And he goes to his son's tomb. And all of his other family try to bury the son that he killed. And Tice is like, nah. He doesn't deserve it. And Marcus is there. And he's like, he's literally your son. And he was trying to protect your daughter. And Tice is like, wow, you're betraying me too, Marcus. Huh? Small world. All my family's betraying me. Looks like I'm the good guy. Titus has such big Denethor energy. (laughs) And by that, I mean, I know that Anthony Hopkins is an incredible actor because I cannot stand Titus Andronicus. He sucks. Titus sucks so hard. He's such a bad person. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you have to be a good actor to make me feel that. But eventually Titus is like, whatever. It doesn't freaking matter. You can bury the sun in there. We don't have time to fight about this because we have a sexy gold-themed wedding to attend. Yeah. And everyone is having fun except for Aaron. Understandably. And I love it. Yeah. I love that everyone is partying and Aaron is standing there in a cool outfit just kind of looking at everyone. That's such a great visual. It's just having him just look at all of these people. And then there's just like a last straw moment because Tamara and Saturninus act like really flirty in like a little, ooh, we just got married moment and he walks out. Yeah, I need to bring up a thing that Julie Taymor does that I think is fantastic, which is Julie Taymor, you mentioned Tamara having that look of worry before she accepts Saturninus's offer. I think Julie Taymor is really good at showing things that aren't being said in the text. This scene right here with the party, with who is meeting up and who is going up to whom, because we see Titus is sad. He is outside the party. He's petting a dog. It's the best he's ever seemed. Yes. And Lavinia and Bassianus are walking up to him and you're like, oh, is this the scene we're going to see? Are we going to see a scene where Lavinia tries to entreat Titus to accept them? We also see Aaron go out on the balcony and look over all of these things. And I'm like, oh, is this going to be like an Aaron monologue where he talks about the lavishness of Rome and how much he hates it? Like you get like all of these little moments that don't have scenes to them. And then the scene is actually Saturninus showing up and talking to Titus. And I'm like, whoa, those those two? I didn't think that the scene was going to go that way. That's not how the scene was set up. And I think that's fantastic that you get all of these little moments that aren't the scene. Yeah. Yeah, because Saturninus is like, Bassianus, you're a freaking traitor and I hate you. And Titus is like, you can punish me for the faults of my family. Just, you can do it. I'll take the blunt. And Tam's like, no, 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 no. Let the past be the past. Well, she's she, she's very in control. This is the moment where we really find that she's calling the shots. If anyone is ruling Rome, it's Tamara. Yeah, because she knows what to say to make Saturninus do what she wants. And knows that because she has that, she has everything. And she turns to the camera and tells us that she's actually going to kill all of the Andronici, basically, for revenge. And it's terrifying because, again, 
I forgot that Julie Tamer is fine with connecting to the audience, and this is a very intense moment. And then suddenly, Tamara was telling me her evil plans, and I um got a little scared. I love it. I love it. No, it's very good. My notes were like, oh, God, don't look at me like that. She's doing it really well. <laughs> That's the thing, Megan. I love being brought in. Oh, I yeah. I love... If I was in an audience, like, seeing this in person, and Tamara looked at me to say that, I'd be like, oh, I'm in on the plot. Yeah, yeah. It's very similar to when uh, characters on theme park rides say you did a good job. It's a very similar feeling where it's like, good job protecting the AllSpark. And you're like, me? me? I protected the AllSpark. But anyway, uh, Julie Taymor kind of ruins it. Yeah, because she's like, do you get it? Titus and Tamara hate each other. There's burning limbs in the background now. I'm bringing in my CGI again, guys. Look at these effects in the background. There's flames and pieces of bodies. And we're like, yes. They ha- she literally just looked at us and said, I don't actually want the past to be the past. I'm going to murder his whole family. Tamar needs for us to be sure that they hate each other. Luckily, to cleanse our palates after that horrible moment, we get Aaron talking about Tamara, and it's so good. And I just, he's so good. The actor is so good, and it's interesting, because this is one of those moments where he's just kind of talking about, like, here we go, like, Tamara is... Tamara's empress. She's empress now, like, she gets to do whatever she wants, and I'm going to see what I can get from it. But you'd kind of imagine that to be a very, it's just him, he's like plotting or something, like he's staring confidently. But the whole time, the peak of confidence is what he is, because he's walking away from the camera, and we're following him, and he's looking over his shoulder to throw some lines at us and things like that. I don't know, it's something that's so simple, but it's rarely used, I think, because you don't typically want to film the back of an actor's head, and... It's just really effective because he's like, I don't care about you. I'm going. And if you're following me to hear me, then cool. But I'm not stopping to talk to you. I'm busy. And to contrast, Aaron, we also have Chiron and Demetrius, Tamara's fail sons. I love Lufania. <laughs> and they're arguing about which of them is more worthy to have Lavinia. And to prove it to each other, they're humping each other. Who can hump best? And meanwhile, Aaron is so tired. Aaron's tired, you know? Yeah. He's like, you guys are dumb. And they're like, we're going to fight you. And he's just like, basically does the thing where he holds out his arm and they try to flail at him. And he's just like pushing on their heads to hold them back. Because it's just so effortless for him to just be like, stop. Every time they try to come at him. So I have a question for you, man. Yeah. Do you think that Aaron is doing the things that he does because Tamara asked him to? Or does he know what Tamara wants and then does it because he knows that ultimately he can get something out of it? I think it's more the second one. It is important to remember that he is also a prisoner of war. Yeah. So like... Any vengeance that Tamara wants, he probably also wants himself. Yeah, I mean, maybe not as much. I think he just hates everyone. Yeah. As opposed to Tamara, who lost a son. Right. So yeah, I think the way I view Aaron is that he is always looking for how he can gain from a situation. Yeah. 
I think that if he knows that Tamara would want revenge from Titus, that he can work towards it. Because it, it is all Aaron. Uh, yeah. Tamara's like, I'm going to ruin your family. And I'm like, mm, Aaron's going to ruin your family. Yeah. Tamara doesn't do the plan. She just is a part of it, weirdly. And like, here's the thing. I know Aaron's a bad guy and I know what he's saying is bad, but like, he's really stopping some infighting between these brothers. Megan, no. No? No. Too far? One of my notes is, uh, I think Aaron might be a terrible guy. (laughs) Because, Megan, he literally says, okay, do you want to know what's the best way to resolve your fighting? Both of you sexually assault Lavinia, and then you both can have her. And Karen and Demetrius are like, we get to have sex with her and each other? Hell yeah. And we get to kill Bassianus? Great. And the boys are like, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, so they're gonna do that in the woods. Cut to the, the woods. woods. Aaron is like, I'm in the woods. And then Tamara comes in and she's Megan. wearing... Megan. He buries gold under the tree. Yeah, he's like, it's very important that I'm burying gold under this tree. And Tam, like, scares him. And she's wearing all red because she is a passionate little imp. And Tamara wants to make out. She's like, I'm going to penetrate you with this bow. And Aaron is like, no thank you. And Tamara's like, no head. And then she breaks her skateboard. <laughs> okay. Little moments, little moments in Titus that Megan loves. They're talking about astrology and, you know, how their star sign means that they're more sexual. Yeah. <laughs> and Aaron just drops the freaking mic because he's just like, yeah, um, Saturn is dominated over my life. Because Saturninus just being like, you married Saturninus. Don't toy with me anymore. Here's my thing, Megan. I think Aaron doesn't understand that. Tamara needed to do what she needed to do. Yeah, he takes it pretty personally. And I feel like you could definitely have productions where he just kind of says it as a joke. But Julie Tamor has him be very serious. The tone shifts. Oh, he does not like Saturn. A lot. Yeah. And he does not like that Tamara's with him. And then they have a little bit of touchy, touchy, sexy time. And it's very unsexual. Aaron tells us what's going to happen. He's like, listen, Tamara. Your sons are going to kill Bassianius. They're going to sexually assault Lavinia. Here's a letter. Give this letter to Saturninus when the time is right. And let's make out. Uh-oh. We're caught by Lavinia and Bassianus. Oopsies. <laughs> Whoops. It's weird because normally I'm like, Lavinia's just... A milk toast, nothing of a girl. Except for this one moment in the play. Where in which she's, she's super judgmental and like mean. Yeah. She's a mean girl. Yeah. It's hard to reconcile because of how Cuckolding is historically portrayed. Because on one hand, it's like, yes, you should make fun of Tamara because she's cheating on her husband. She's cuckolding her husband. And that is how I feel like you should, quote unquote, be treating her. And with our modern sensibilities of anti-slut shaming, Lavinia comes across as cruel. Yeah. Whereas back then, I don't think she would have come across as cruel. 
Yeah, like for us, it seems like a very big turn for this girl who's literally just like, Hi, I'm Lavinia. I'm just a demure little mouse. Nothing bad could ever come from me or happen to me. And that's Shakespeare's fault. Yes. No, she's a nothing of a character. Like She's a character that exists for bad things to happen to her. Yes. It's one of those plays where I'm like, aha, cool, there is um one female. Oh, Tamara? Tamara. Yeah, because uh, Lavinia doesn't really have She's a set character. dressing. Yeah. You get to do some great secondary acting as yes, Lavinia. in the second half, but your character is, you had violence enacted against you. That yeah. is your character. And on, before that point, she is a confusion of a character, at least in modern day, because, because of, of what that. you just said. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird. I don't think there's a way to do it right. Because I can't really blame Julie Taymor. Well, because what are you going to do? Cut it? And then Lavinia literally has no lines? Yeah. So, since they caught Aaron and Tamara making out, they make fun of her, and Tamara, like, hisses at them. And then, all of a sudden, Chiron and Demetrius jump out, attack them. The cinematography in this moment is incredible, because the camera is just circling around everyone and it's very disorienting and you feel that Lavinia and Bassianus are trapped. It's just such a simple move, but it's done perfectly. And Tamara starts to turn on the crocodile tears. Oh yeah, she's like they're terrible. They were gonna harm me. They attacked me out of nowhere. That Bassianus is going to harm me, my sons. As she's like touching their hair and giving them little kisses and i'm just like this family's really incestuous julie tamor i don't know why you did this this is not in the original (laughs) yeah i don't get that it's because they're bad and of course because he was attacking their mother they stabbed bassianus because of course yeah it's a fair thing to do and lavinia's like oh my gosh no i'm an innocent wonderful person please don't let your sons hurt me Please, I'm a woman, you're a woman, right? When Lavinia pleads for her life, we alluded to it, but like, Tamara looks her directly in the eye and goes, I was in a very similar position with your father when I was I begged from- him to save my son. And he did nothing, so have right fun. Right back at you. Yeah, have fun. Uno reverse card. Uno reverse card. Also, eye for an eye leaves everyone blind, Tamara. You can't nah. just continue the but violence But at least forward. they're blind. This is also what makes Tamara a more interesting character. Because Tamara does decide that it is okay for this horrid act to be enacted against another woman. And you have to, as an actress, reconcile with well, that as a, that's your character. You're a type of person who has to allow this horrid violence to happen to a girl and, like, at the same time, you probably had the fear that something like this was going to happen to you when you came to Rome. Obviously. Like, it is such an interesting character. Well, especially because it's like, she literally, it's just drop of a dime. She goes from, I was about to be attacked. He was going to harm me. The two of them are going to harm me to do whatever unspeakable things you can to her. Go for it, boys. And it's not just even quiet acceptance that they're going to do it. She tells them to enjoy it. But she doesn't want to hear Lavinia cry out. No. That, I think, is interesting. Because she's still human. Yeah, she wants these bad things to happen to Lavinia, but she doesn't want to see it, hear it. She wants to be removed from it, which I think is... She wants to see the before and the after. She does not want to see the during. Yeah. Speaking of... 
not seeing the during. The only thing, again, that Julie Tamar shows us is Karen and Demetrius cutting the buttons off of the back of her dress. Which is horrid. Oh, it tells you exactly how they're going to treat her without showing us anything gory or any actual assault. Yeah. It is brilliant. I also always forget that the play has them assault her on Bastianus' corpse. Yeah. They're like, that's a nice bed. That dead guy. Your fiancé that we killed, we are going to... Still probably not even dead yet. He's probably bleeding out. Yeah. Anyway, it's horrid, but they don't show it. In another part of the woods, Aaron is leading some of the Andrana sons to a tiger pit. He's like, there's a tiger. I saw a tiger in the woods. And you feel like it's it's a trap. But then it's like, oh, look, there's an actual tiger. And I find that surprising. I don't know. Megan, the Romans had a bunch of animals that they captured. No, no, no. Like, I understand that there would be a tiger. But, like, I was just like, this is absolutely just a plot by Aaron. But then one of the Andronasons is like, yeah, the tiger's right there and I see it. And that's why he doesn't fall into the trap that Aaron made. Also, this film worked with a tiger. Yeah. The film worked with a real tiger. Yeah. So one of the guys, uh, you you hear a crumble, crumble scream. And Aaron is like, oh no, there's a trap, I guess. Accidentally, who could have done that? I've disappeared. He says that. It's yeah. weird. And the other Andrana son's just like, oh no, brother, let me help you. And he falls into the trap too. Yeah. So now both of the sons are thought to have murdered Bassianus because who shows up? Saturninus. And Aaron's like, look, it's a hole with Bassianus's dead body and two dudes. And Tamara's like, look at this letter I found. It's from the sons. They say, let's kill Bassianus. And oh, they hid gold under a tree. We better check out that tree. And Titus comes up and he's like, what is going on? And Saturninus is like, these guys murdered Bassianus. And he's like, wow, I've got the worst sons. Don't worry. But also, are we sure this actually happened? Like, can I just check? Can I just like do some fact checking? Because he kind of cares. But he's like, nah, nah, they're shit. But what if they're not? Just in case. And Tam's like, no, don't worry. I'll sort this out. Don't worry about it. It's just a little murder. Like, that's how she's treating this, like... Haven't we all committed a little regicide? Oh, he's not. That's not regicide. Oh, well... Haven't we all committed a little brother of the king aside? Brother of the emperor side? Okay. So, moving on. It's the scene. Aftermath of Lavinia's assault. This is the scene of this film. She is on a stump. She's got sticks in her hands. It's just like a weird... stumps her hands. She doesn't have any hands anymore. She's got sticks in her hands. The brothers are pulling up their pants. They're making fun of her state of being. You want them to die. And, like, it's this weird arid marsh. Yeah, they're in, like, a... Dead trees. They're, like, in a swamp. But it's, like, a dry swamp. Yeah. It's so weird. And it's, like, dreamlike. Yeah. And well, it's like hazy. It's like, yeah. It, it's like a humid dryness. <laughs> and the brothers taunt her, moon her, etc. And then they run off. And Marcus goes, hey, what's over there? And I laughed. I'm not going to lie. I laughed when Marcus shows up because it felt so theatery. 
It felt very theatery of just like, oh, I just happened upon this scene. Because, you know, in my normal walk through the arid swamp. Yes, it, it, it is because it is, well, why does Marcus find Lavinia? Well, because in this scene, Marcus finds Lavinia. <laughs> like, there's no logical reason yeah. why he should be here. He's not like, oh, where's Lavinia? I'll go search for her. Like, that no, wasn't just like, it's a day, da-da-da. Yeah. Marcus delivers a good speech. Like, I made fun of it, but, like, he walks over to Lavinia, and he's like, oh, this site is horrid. I hate this. But there's something about this whole scene that it, it feels like it's in slow motion. Like, it is a very slow, it takes its time scene, but... It's just him walking towards her and talking, and it's just going between him and his shock and her posed in this strange way. And it's a very unnatural moment, but mm-hmm. it works perfectly and it stays with you. Like, this is the scene for this film for me. This is the scene that will always come to mind whenever I think Titus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 10,000%. And then he's finally just like, say something. And she opens her mouth and just blood flies in the air as if on a wind towards him that's the oscar shot like that's the shot that you're like hey if you want to know what this movie is it's that shot yeah it is beautiful violence like beautiful dreamlike violence because it is shot in a very dreamlike manner gravity is not normal yeah there is a wind that is only affecting the blood in her mouth. And Tamor really captures the ruination of a beautiful object. Yeah. Marcus is a good guy. Yeah. He's like, oh my god, this sucks. Come here, Lavinia. I'm going to carry you all the way back home. Yeah. So anyway, a lot of stuff has happened, Megan. Titus is just so tired. His sons are getting yelled at in the streets and are like naked and being carted off to be tried for murder. And Titus is like, God, Tribunes, please. this sucks. Does loyalty mean nothing? And I'm like, no, Titus, it never did. This scene, what world are you living in? This scene is a scene that every time I've thought about staging Titus, I've been like, how the heck do you do this scene well and have all the tribunes walking down a road and Titus yelling at them and then collapsing and it not just being like, okay, that's weird. But like in this weird dreamlike everything at once film, it works. Well, most of it. There is the Julie Taymor touch where... Well, okay. I mean, before <sighs> he has a dream about an angel... And his sons uh, with their heads on lamb bodies. Yes. As though they are sacrificial lambs. Yes, before the weird acid trip that Julie Taymor has. Because she doesn't trust her audience. Yes. Uh, like, I, I think the scene works really well before she mutilates my trust. I think the scene works before and after that moment. And yeah. if you cut out that moment, it's it a would great be a great scene. scene. One of his sons comes back and he's just like, rah, rah, old man yells at Cloud. And his son's like, uh, Dad, they left like an hour ago. No one is listening to your like, prayers. And uh, Titus uh, is like, even if they were here, they wouldn't listen to me. Stones are better than them. Like, I'd rather yell at the stones. And I'm like, yeah, politicians suck. And Lucius, oh, we got, I, I remember his name. Lucius is like, I've been banished. And then we see Titus smile for like the first time in the film. Because he's just like, good. 
Rome sucks. They've done you a service. By banishing you. Rome is full of tigers. Then Lavinia shows up. And that's the point when uh, Marcus shows up carrying Lavinia. And And Titus is like, wow, this is worse than if I were dead. And Marcus is just like, yeah, this used to be your daughter. Man, she used to be a human person that you cared about. And I'm like, well, never mind. Marcus is a bad dad. <laughs> they could just cut that line. They could. That's cut. literally the only thing that Marcus says that's like a terrible father kind of line. But it ruins him for me. Yeah. I'm not- because even Titus is like, that is my daughter. Megan, I want to play Marcus. I like Marcus. Marcus seems like a very easy character to play. I mean, not like an easy character to play, but like. Yeah, you don't have long monologues. You just have that one with Lavinia and that you could really put a lot of your energy into. uh, And then you just go home. But if I were to play him, I would argue. I don't want to say that line. Am I not? I would argue that because I think that it's bad for his character. But the thing is, I think this is also the only time that something is kind of good for Titus's character, though. Yeah, but Titus sucks. (laughs) Yeah, no, but maybe we should have him not fully suck. Yeah, I just wish that then Marcus would have said something in response, like, you're right. Yeah, just like anything. So not to have him be like, no, I stand by my was. That's definitely not a person. But anyway, I think this uh, moment is hard for me because Titus is very much like, no, that's still my daughter. Blah, 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 how this affects me. I mean, yes. And then, like, doesn't really talk about Lavinia as, like, a person in her own, but it's how this all affects him. So I'm just like, you're so close to being human. I like that the scene takes place at a crossroads. Yeah. I think that rules. Because that's what it is. And it's one of the times where I'm like, I appreciate your lack of subtlety, Julie Taymor. (laughs) Yeah, see, if all of Julie Taymor's lack of subtlety was things like that instead of flaming, flying limbs in the background of people. I dig it. Yep. And Titus is like, hey, family, let's hold the hands and we're going to get revenge on the people who did this to us. And so, man, <laughs> yeah. one thing yeah. that we have neglected to mention at this point okay. is that that little boy from the beginning is in like all of these scenes as a point of view character. Yeah. And I like that. Okay. I like that Julie Taymor does that. I like that Julie Taymor gives us a character and says... Because, like, Wishbone doesn't, like, say anything. No. Wishbone's just there. Well, Wishbone does say something... Later. Later. I mean, up till now, Wishbone has said nothing. But he only has, like, one scene where he says things. Yeah. And it's terrible, and I hate him. Yeah. But, you know. (laughs) That's in the future. But, like, the fact that we get this character to view all of these actions, and you're kind of worried about him... What's going to happen to this kid? This is the only kid we've got. Yeah. So what is At this what point. is viewing all of this violence going to do to this kid? And that's kind of like what we're worried about. And that's kind of like Julie Taymor's through line for this movie. What will the cycle of violence do? Yeah. Will, will the cycle of violence continue? Yeah. And we see Wishbone look out of the Andronicus house at Rain and sees Aaron approach. So I feel like it matters that it's raining, but it doesn't. No, it's just cool. It's cool. It's because it's sad because they're sad. So it's raining. Yeah, probably. Anyway, Aaron's like, Titus, your sons, they're totally going to get murdered. But if you cut off your hand or someone here, anyone, anyone in the Andronicus family cuts off their hand, 
then you'll get your sons back scot-free. And everyone's like, my hand, no, my hand. I'm going to get a knife and I'll cut my hand off with it. And it's a great bit. Shakespeare's got jokes. And then Titus goes, you go do that. And then as soon as they leave, Titus is like, okay, come on, Aaron, let's go chop my hand off. They're stupid. They forgot we're right next to a kitchen. Yeah. And this is where we start getting kitchen Titus, or as I like to call him, Ty Fietti. Megan, how long were you teeing that up? Was it in your notes? Yeah. Okay. So one thing I will note is that this scene is scored with... Like a jazz brunch type music? Well, like a a comedy jazz. Yeah, that's why I think jazz brunch. It's kind of funny. Again, surprisingly not gory. Because there's a lot of jump cuts. I, I mean, we do see... Anthony Hopkins acting really good when his hand gets chopped off. But we don't see it happen. And then we just see a hand that's not bleeding get picked up. And put into a little plastic baggie. So moving on to the next scene. Titus is uh, praying for his sons to be delivered safely to him. And oh, what's this? It's a comedy. And it's like more jazzy comedy music. I'm a clown. I'm a chick. We put some chairs out. I'll sit down. And we got a surprise. And look at your son's heads. Oh. Oh, and also your hand. Thanks for that. Yeah. Time to leave. Goodbye. Yeah, they're just like, oh, yeah. And then uh, Saturninus says, uh, I don't give a shit. So did Saturninus actually ask her, is this just Aaron fucking around? No, I think it was Aaron fucking around. And Saturninus was just like, why did you give me a hand? And Aaron's just like, I don't know. Titus, he's Titus, lost it. Titus thinks that if he gives you a hand, you'll, you'll save his sons. And they're like, give it back. I don't want his gross hand. Here's something I want to bring up, though. Yeah. The heads in the jars yeah. are really fake looking. I understand. Well, no, no. So here's what I want to say. Yeah. I think this is one of the things that's really tricky about Titus. violent, especially Titus, but like any gory plays is like the ability to have gore without losing immersion. Yes. Because for a moment there, like I saw the heads and I went, it lost me for a brief second and i was like that's a thing you can't just not have the heads that's vital it's vital to be like and here are their heads but that's also an incredibly difficult thing to do well without either being way too gory which this movie has not been or cheapening it somehow you know one thing i will say yeah all of tamer's effects are practical yeah and I cannot fault a movie for that. No. And this is 1999, the era of bad CGI. We just watched Event Horizon, which was from like two years before Titus. And everything in that movie looked bad if it wasn't practical. And Julie Taymor made the decision, hey, I got $18 million. Yeah. Everything's going to be practical. Well, and like, like I'm sure that there's a way to do practical heads That would cost a lot more to make them look more realistic. But again, I think the actual way to do it practically that works is to make them way more gory, which I think Tamor was shying away from in this because that changes the film. Another thing is she wants the continuity of they can grab the heads and bring them. And I think if you really wanted to do it, you could have had the actors stick their heads up holes 
in the thing and just had acted dead yeah and like put makeup on them but i think that Tamor wanted the heads to look the same throughout every shot and the only way to do that is to have models of the heads so that you can pick them up later I think she just wants that continuity and I think that that's why she went with that yeah. you could always just have them yeah stick I their think heads having them just stick their heads in the tubes would have been good for me oh Megan I think because the continuity of how their faces look doesn't matter. doesn't matter as much as me going that's not real heads no that's fair I totally get that so anyway, uh, Tice is like, hey, uh, I'll take one of the heads under one of my arms. I got a stump now. Marcus, you take the other head. And Lavinia, take my hand in your mouth. And guess what, man? That's Shakespeare. That's, that's Shakespeare. Not, that, that's not Tamor. No. Tamor recognized. And I think that that's one of the bits. A lot of scholars think that Titus is a parody of bloody comedies oh i absolutely could see there's a your mom joke in it and on one hand i don't fully get that i don't fully believe that early shakespeare had the wherewithal to write a fully parody no i think it definitely straddles the line like i think in a kind of weak way it straddles the line like Ha it's a comedy. And then it's like, oh, oh, but maybe it's not. But, like, but I, like, it's serious. See, I don't think it's a full parody. I think it's just like Shakespeare recognized the dark humor in some of these situations and brought that out. I don't think he was doing some grand gesture like most Shakespeare scholars think he does with all of his plays. I think he's just like, wow, I'm writing this really bloody play. I should lean into it a little. And I like, just have a little bit of a comedic moment. Like, have fun, maybe. So anyway, the family has a nice family dinner after that. And this is another point where Julie Taymor makes a decision about how a character acts that can affect how we view them. Yeah. Because Lavinia is shown to be making a bunch of motions, gesturing, etc., trying to. And Titus is like, oh, I understand her signs. I know what she's saying. She's saying this. I'll interpret for her. And there are so many different ways that you can do that, but Julie Tamar has definitely chosen to make it seem absolutely genuine because she is actually gesturing and Titus is like, oh, I know my daughter. I know this. And I think that that is continuing on this recent in the number of scenes we've seen of this film of Titus is maybe not as terrible of a guy as he was at the start. Maybe he's learning some things. Maybe he's realizing some mistakes, etc. Maybe he's just not all bad guy. Maybe he's not just one dimensional. When this is just a very easy scene to be like, no, he's just trying to speak for her. Yeah. But that's not what comes across here. Missed two plot points, man. One, Lucius, the alive son who banished, he's going to go to the Goths and get their help for a war. Enemy of my enemy is my friend. The war's boring. Well, man, it's fine. No, I know. I, I, I know it matters. I'm just saying it for the sake of the podcast. And two, young Lucius goes to a mannequin doll man and gets hands for Lavinia, but doesn't get a hand for his father. No, he doesn't need it. He's old. Wishbone kills a fly. And Titus is like, you are a murderer. That fly had a family. What if? You are scum of the earth. And then Wishbone's like, no, 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 no. It was black. And Titus is like, oh, right racism it's fine like aaron yeah that is it's because he's saying aaron's bad but 
The only thing he really says is like, yeah, it's because it's black like Aaron is. Yeah, it's weird because I'm like... And then the whole family's like, ha ha ha, jokes about race. Ha 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 ha. And everyone's laughing and having a grand old time. They're the murder family now. They're the racist murder family. It's weird. Oh yeah, so we have a short scene where um, uh, the boys play video games and Uh, just chill. Chiron dances and Demetrius plays video games. Uh, He's playing Radical Bikers, Megan. Aren't we all? With a K, with a K. Radical Bikers. Cutting back to the Andronicus family, Wishbone is now afraid of Lavinia. Megan, it's weird. They just had that transition scene just so they didn't have to... It's not the only time that Julie Tamar will do this. So, Lavinia finally remembers um, that she should tell people what happened to her. How long has passed where, one, she hasn't thought to bring it up, and two, no one's asked? Because it feels like it's been a while. Yeah, it is just dramatic convenience that this happens now. And that's fine. Again, I'm not trying to nitpick things. But, like, it is just like, hey. When you're watching it, you're just like, you guys didn't think about this before? Yeah, Lavinia has a big book of Greek myths, and she's just like, this myth, this myth, and Tice is like, oh, so you got raped and attacked in the woods, got it, who were your attackers? And she's like, I don't have a tongue, and Marcus is like, wait, you could use this stick and put your little stumps on it and guide it with your mouth and write out your attackers, and Lavinia's like, great idea, I didn't never thought of to write it down. And then she can't put it in her mouth because sexual assault. But it doesn't matter because she doesn't need to. She can just tuck it in her neck and she does it just fine. And I'm like, cool, this is fine. And then Julie Tamer is just like, ooh, there's tigers and violence and ooh, tigers. I will say this one does work for me. I still think it's... Like, the only reason it works is because this is a necessary moment in the play where nothing is being said, and you need to give her time to write out Chiron and Demetrius. I also think it works that Lavinia cannot express herself through words, and so her angrily writing out the names Chiron and Demetrius, because you do have flashes of her writing out, and she looks very mad, and having that being expressed through Julie Taymor's visuals, I think, does work here. More so, at least, than the other times. The other times words were said that are similar, and this time it's like, oh yeah, Lavinia is finally releasing, and this is like one of the only times where we're like, oh, Lavinia has been calm about this, but now that she, I mean, she's been like broken and silent about this, but now that she has a way to express herself, it is going to burst out of her, because this is the first time she's able to at least set some right to happen. If this was the only scene that did the weird overlays, I would like it more. But at the same time, it might stick out weirdly. It's weird, Megan. I don't think there's a way to win. I agree. (laughs) Megan, I agree entirely. So Marcus is like, oh, it was Chiron and Demetrius. We're all going to get revenge. Everybody promise. And Marcus, who's been very calm. Oh, yeah. No, he's the one who's leading it. He's just like, okay, we're killing those kids. Yeah. And Titus is like, yeah, we are. Marcus, you stay home. (laughs) Marcus is like, oh, okay. It was my idea. So the plan starts. So Wishbone brings a parcel of weapons to Chiron and Demetrius and tells them the weapons are a gift from Titus for reasons. And then he's like, you're villains. And he runs away. (laughs) And uh, the boys are like, yeah, these weapons rule boys with swords. And Aaron's just like, what does that message say? 
And he's like, oh, uh, this is a gift from Titus uh, for reasons. And Aaron's like, okay, so Titus knows that you did it. Yeah, he's like, um, this is like a reference to a thing. Just like, oh my god, you guys are dumb. <laughs> yep. Oh, and it turns out Tamara's been pregnant. The uh, play hasn't mentioned this to us. And she's never looked it. And uh, she gave birth to the baby. So that means, Megan, that means it's probably been like nine months. So trumpets flourish because the baby was born. Yay! Uh-oh, the baby's black. And a nurse comes in, the little, like, nurse for Tamara, and is just like, hi, um, we got a problem. The baby's black. Uh, Tamara wants you to murder it. And Aaron's like, no, uh, it's my kin. And then he, like, takes it from her, and everyone's like, well, you gotta kill it. And he's like, I will literally kill you. I have a heart, actually. Don't threaten... And this is the most immediate protective action we have seen a father take in this play. Yeah. Just saying. Babies before labies. Yeah, and what sucks is that Aaron is a terrible person. No, it sucks. Why is he the best person if he's the worst person? Yeah, he kind of sucks, Megan, and he openly admits it, and there's no line that Shakespeare wrote that absolves Aaron. Aaron doesn't have a Shylock speech. So he's just like, all right, everyone, let's sit down. Let's be calm. Let's drink some sodas. Nurse, you can have it's one. It's a beer, for... Oh, it's a beer. Everyone, let's drink some beers in front of the baby. Nurse, you get one. And she's like, what? And he's just like. Who knows about the baby? Me, another nurse, you, and Tamara. And he's like, okay, that's cool. Uh, Two people can keep a secret if one of them is dead. And he and... stabs her. Yeah, she just freaking dies. And uh, it's great. I can know he kills a lot. I mean, no, it's bad, but uh, it's funny. Okay. Because he puts a beer in front of her and she looks really confused and then starts drinking and then he stabs her and he basically says, two people can keep a secret if one of us is dead. And then everyone's like, what's your problem? And he's like, I don't trust you people. You want to kill my son. And I'm like, yeah, why are you shocked? That Aaron is upset by this. Like, one, he's a murderer. <laughs> he's done crime before. Horrible, violent crime. And you guys are like, what? Murder and protection of your only blood son? Yeah. And then Aaron looks at the baby and he's like, baby, I got so many plans for you. You're going to do some incredible, horrible things. You and me, baby. Baby and Aaron. 100 years baby and Aaron, and the baby looks really concerned. (laughs) I will just say, this is a cute flippin' baby. It's so cute, but it looks so concerned. That's a good baby actor. Dad? Oh, and obviously this baby is a Hollywood baby, which is, it was just born. It's obviously like (laughs) eight months old. It's so big. Also, Um, I do have one more thing to say, Megan. Yeah. I think Matthew Lillard should have played one of the brothers. Oh, also, I completely skipped uh, the fact that this is the, the scene mom. where the your mom joke happens. Yeah. Which I didn't bring up because it's not specific to this film. And this film just, you know, did it fine. Honestly, you could have made a bigger deal about it, Julie Taymor. It is a your mom joke. But Julie Taymor was pretty subtle with it. Uh, and the line is, of course, It's villain, villain what hast thou done, done, something that thou canst not undo. Villain, thou hast undone our mother. Villain, I have done thy mother. (laughs) Titus is going door to door, gathering senatorial allies. 
and he gives them bows and arrows to entreat the gods to right the wrongs. You missed an incredibly important scene. Oh, everyone's fucking in the pool. Yeah, there's just a bunch of people having sex, and we then see we Alan see Cummings' hairy ass. Yeah, we see his hairy butt as he's curled up against Tamara. That's the whole scene. So on to what you were talking about. Yeah, so Titus is uh, gone a little mad and uh, is entreating his men to entreat the gods with letters attached to arrows, and the arrows interrupt the orgy. Saturnius gets really mad because his orgy got interrupted with a bunch of arrows and he yells at the Senate that he was stabbed. He was attacked by arrows. And Tamara's like, "Uh, yeah, of course Titus is mad at you. You killed his sons. And then one guy comes in. He's like, hey, guys, hate to be the bearer of badness, but the gods are going to attack. And all of a sudden, Lucius is here with all the gods. And Saturninus is like, no, that's, <laughs> no! Lucius is so cool and most of Rome thinks I'm a big nerd. <laughs> Another thing I need to mention because I'm cursed by this. Thank you, Julie Tamor. When the arrows start, Chiron and Demetrius are like, mommy, I'm scared. And they are, like, curled up around her and Saturninus while they're all naked yeah, it's bad. in bed together. It's... Uh, Julie Tamer, why? They can be bad people without being incestuous. Anyway, other thing I want to talk to you about, Marquez. Man, I've been going through the plot, and here you come just interrupting my plot thing. Yeah, it's almost like I'm you. I don't have bits. I've got questions. <laughs> okay, yeah. We've talked about Lady Macbeth before. Yeah. What about Tamara? What about Tamara? And by that I mean, these are like the two most murderous women in Shakespeare. Yeah. So two of the most powerful women bodily. So how come only Lady Macbeth has a bunch of fans? Is it because she's sympathetic and Titus Andronicus is never done? Megan. What? It's because Tamara allows a girl to be sexually assaulted. No, 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 I don't mean, like, as people. I mean, like, how can people want to act as Lady Macbeth, but you never hear people be like, oh, I, w- I really like to be Tamara. Because Tamara doesn't have a speech where she goes mad. Oh, that's true. You get, you what, get, you get range. You get showcasing yeah. as Lady Adley. You don't get showcasing as Tamara. Most of the monologues, most of the like little bits are just short bits of scenes. She's pretty one note. And also like Lady Macbeth, she disappears for a lot of the play. After the whole Lavinia thing, I forgot that Tamara existed and all of a sudden she's having a baby? That doesn't make any sense, Megan. We didn't even hear about this baby until it happened. So Tamara's like, I'll take care of the goth situation for you. We'll all have a big parlay at Titus's house. And Saturninus is still scared, though. And we transition to Lucius in front of the goths. And he gives them a speech about how Rome is their enemy. And he used to be their enemy, but now he's going to lead them to great victory. And I think it's interesting because this actor actually talks like Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. And it's really good. 
And then after he gives the speech, Aaron and his baby show up at the goth camp. And they're like, hey, look, people we can kill. As in the whole army is like, aha, let's all team up against one man and a baby. And Aaron is like, please do not harm my baby. I will do anything for you to not harm my baby. I will tell you everything bad that has happened and why it has happened. I will tell you everything if you just don't harm my baby. He doesn't put his life in there. No. Just promise my baby will come to no harm. Yeah, he's the best father in this and it's a problem. And Lucius is a total jerk to him. And he's just like, I'm not going to let you talk. I'm not going to let you talk. And I'm like, just let Aaron talk. And then Aaron's just like, yeah. So I told the guys that they should mutilate Lavinia. And I was like, no, okay. All right. I know I said, let him talk, but he's saying some really bad things. All right, Megan, come on. Save this argument. Save this argument. Uh, He cares about a baby. Megan. Oh, you're not saving it. Megan, I'm going to be real with you. Somebody caring about a baby goes a long way with you. Yeah. Especially in a play like this, where people are like, oh, my your son? daughter got mutilated? She was your daughter. Oh, my son turned against me? He was my son. Aaron's the only good dad, and he's a horrible person. One thing of note, Megan, Tamara promises Aaron 20 kisses. 20 kisses for this! That's a lot of kisses. And then Aaron has his whole speech where he's just like, yeah, no, I'm a horrible person. I've done a lot of crimes. And my only regret is that I couldn't do more crimes. And this is another choice by Julie Taymor. This speech seems entirely genuine. Yeah, it's weird. Because a lot of times people will have it be like bravado. Just like, yeah, if I'm going to die anyway, I might as well be the monster they think I am. Like, play it up. But this is just like, no, this is my truth. I've done all these things. Yeah, I waited until uh, somebody was done mourning their friend's death and dug up their friend's corpse and put it outside of their window. Yeah, no, I, I did that. It was like a Tuesday. Didn't really mean much to me. I just thought it was kind of funny. And I don't know what I prefer, but yeah. I just think it's really important to note that that is what Julie Tamar has decided. Yeah. Basically... Just thinking back, I think everything in Shakespeare's Titus Andronicus, Julie Tamor in Titus has decided is genuine. Yeah. There's no sarcasm in anything. There's no bravado. There's no faking it. It's just, this is what is said, and they meant it. Aaron's going to be hanged, and... He says his whole bit, and, and Lucius is like, <laughs> never mind. I don't want to hang you. You deserve worse. Worse. <laughs> And Aaron's like, okay, I'm going to jump down from where I'm going to hang and I'm going to start to strangle you, Lucius, for no reason. That's the end of the scene. Oh, wait, no, a messenger comes in and he's like, hey, parlay at Titus's. That's the end of the scene. Speaking of Titus, Titus (laughs) is drawing bad smiley faces with his stump blood. I I said he is naked bloodbath drawing. Knock, knock, knock on the door. Who is it? It's the devil. Oh, it's Beelzebub, the other devil's name. <laughs> knock, knock, knock. Oh, it's an equivocate. I'm just doing the porter bit. Who is it really, though, Megan? It's Revenge. And Titus looks out his little window, and he sees Revenge. We have another Julie Taymor bit of just, like, flying nonsense. The biggest nonsense of which is just the ending shot, which is Tamara as Revenge, but fat. Yeah, I don't get that. I'm like, why, why, Julie Taymor? So, let's break down the scene, Megan. Yeah. Revenge shows up at Titus's It's Tamara. House. 
and is like, hey, Titus, come down and see me. Come on. Come on, old friend. Titus is like, okay. I'm totally falling for this. Yep, and Tamara's like full supervillain here. She's just like, hey, we're gonna trick Titus. And the sons are like, okay, how can we help? It's like, just follow my lead. Don't worry. Why about does it. she have drill arms? She looks like a goth B drill. Megan, it's because it's cool looking, honestly. <laughs> it's okay. I think it looks cool. I think she looks cool. And Titus comes down, and Tamara's revenge is like, if you bring your son home for parlay, I'll bring all of your enemies to you. And Titus is like, I don't know, that sounds like a good idea. Who are these two fellas? And Revenge is like, this is rape and this is murder. And Titus is like, oh, that's great. I'm going to hump Chiron. And I'm like, stop humping people. (laughs) Sorry, continue. And so uh, Marcus is called over. And Marcus is like, what the hell is going on? And Titus is like, no, don't worry. This is revenge and rape and murder. Don't worry about it. Marcus is like, "Uh, uh, okay. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And then Revenge is like, okay, Titus, we gotta get going now. (laughs) Busy schedule. Yep. And Titus is like, no, wait. Keep your partners with me. And uh, I want to hang out with Rape and Murder more. Yep. And Tamara being absolutely dumb. Pulling of total Titus. Yes. (laughs) It's like, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yep. And so uh, she leaves. And then um, almost immediately, Marcus and the senators attack the sons and capture them. So do you think that Julie Tamar was just like, I want that Hannibal guy to make kid pies? Yes. Okay. Because in the next scene, they're strung up and Titus is like, cool, I'm going to slit their throats. And Lavinia, you're going to catch all the blood and we're going to make pies. But then he slits their throats at the same time, and they're not that close to each other, and Lavinia is not catching that much blood. Yeah, It's very wasteful. Uh, I will say, again, this scene could be totally gruesome and gory, and he just kind of, like, calmly slits their throats, and there's no, like, screaming, and they just kind of bleed out and die. And, like, we don't see that much of the blood. No. As much as I'm saying a lot of blood's getting wasted, that's because of how the bodies were staged, I know. Also, uh, is Titus actually going to make these pies? I don't really trust a soldier's chef skills. Well, I don't know, because we go to the next scene, and the pies in the window look like they're straight from a cartoon. They look scrumptious. Like, someone is going to fly up to that, their nose making them fly through the air. So we're at the final scene, Megan. The pies look beautiful. Okay, so a few things. Feast is ready. Titus is in a chef's hat. Everyone shows up. He's wearing a little chef's hat. I love it. Here's my opinion. The pies look bad. Oh, once he cuts them, once they're off that sill, they look terrible. So I made a meat pie. Spoiler. It's Uh, not a spoiler. You said at the beginning of the episode. No, man, we have to explain it. We knew we were going to watch this. I actually made a meat pie. Because Thanksgiving, we were like, let's watch this to celebrate eating. A, if you are going to do this play, I think you should give your audience pie. Well, like, let them buy it? Yeah. Yeah, like, not just give it to them. No, but let them buy it. Yeah. At intermission and stuff, have a little pie cart? Yeah, I think it'd be freaking great. Okay, Titus is like, here's pie. That's all we have for dinner, is just this meat pie. And I only made two of them for, like, 17 people. 
Anyway. They're pretty big, though. Here you go, Tamara. Here you go, Saturninus. No one else gets pie. But then everyone else has pie, but he didn't serve them. I don't know who served them, but everyone's, as you said, enjoying the pie. And they're like, mm, very tasty pie. Love pie. And then Lavinia comes in. And Tice is like, this is my beautiful daughter, Lavinia. Hey, Saturninus, you ever heard of this old story? Do you think it was right for the dad to kill the daughter because she got assaulted? And Saturninus is like, yeah, that's right. And he's like, cool. And then he kills her. And Saturninus is like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, that happened to my daughter. And Saturninus is like, what? Who In are my they? Rome? Who are they? Point them out and we'll punish them. And he's like, yeah, it's Karen and Demetrius. And Tamara's like, oh, Karen and Demetrius, where are they? And then Anthony Hopkins screams really loud and stops acting. No, I like this. I, I like, don't. I like he's like, are in those paws that you ate? See, here's what I don't like is there's a lot of tension. Building, 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 building. And it should continue building. But it's like building, building, and it's at the roof, but there's still more to go. So it's just kind of just staying here. And then suddenly he stabs Tamara. I wanted to build up to the stabbing of Tamara. I want him to start shouting when he's about to stab her, not two sentences before. I just don't like yell acting. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it here because this film is two and a half hours long. And this bit takes place less than a minute. Yeah. Like literally. What happens? He yells, he stabs Tamara, rock music starts playing, Saturninus comes in with the candlestick, stabs Titus, Lucius comes in with the spoon and shoves it in Saturninus's throat and then shoots him with a gun. Yeah. And then Lucius shoots him in the head and then we cut out and we're in the Coliseum again because obviously all of this was blood sport. And that's the metaphor that she's going for. And there's an audience. And then Titus is blood sport. Yeah. And so there's a silent audience that doesn't seem to be enjoying the show, just sitting in the Coliseum seats. Yes. And then Marcus is like, hello, you sad-faced people, hi. And then the clown guy shows up and he puts tarps on all the dead people. And then Lucius is emperor and is like, a baby in a cage. Look at it as I bury its father. And then Aaron again is just like, Yeah, legitimately, do not repent. And uh, Lucius is also like, no funeral for Tamara, let birds eat her corpse. And then Wishbone's like, I will take the baby, and walks off into the sunset with it. Because a baby is much better than a Titus action figure. And you are incorrect once again, Megan. What? He walks into the sunrise with the baby, and that actually... No, you're, no, important. no, no, I, I just, I'm so used to saying the phrase walks off into the sunset that my brain auto-filled. And it's supposed to be that Lucius is deciding to break the cycle of violence. With the new dawn. The end. Uh, so anyway, I like this film. Yeah, no, I like it too. I've got problems with it, but like, who wouldn't have problems with just about any film? So ultimately, how do we feel about this film as an, as an adaptation. adaptation? It's good. They covered the things. I understood what was happening. There are some times that I was just like, yada, yada, yada. I get it. But, I mean, that that's kind of typical. But I, I think the whole this is blood sport is a accurate thing. And it's fair. I don't like all of the fiery limbs, as you might have guessed. Titus is not an easy play to adapt. No. That's so, why there aren't any others. Yes. 
We'll eventually cover the other famous one, which is like a Japanese one. We'll cover that one. Oh, eh? of course, because there's like no others. Yes, because there are like no others. I think it works, especially for the late 90s. Yeah. The late 90s being full of worries of video games and violence. I think Julie Taymor is trying to tap into that, like television and video games as numbing violence that we start off with Wishbone doing and we see Chiron and Demetrius playing video games and they are the most violent actors and I think that she's trying to do something with that and I appreciate it even though I don't agree because I feel like there is this tendency to boil down video games which is a medium into a genre yeah which isn't fair all video game the same game all video game the same because i am a child of the 1960s and so i don't get the video game it's how it feels when you're trying to like equate video game with massive violence which really it should be more horror movie that's what titus is to me Titus to me is a horror movie, or at least a because if if you why isn't there a horror movie inspired by Titus? I don't know. That'd like, be great. Why? No, not even a horror movie inspired by Titus or Titus that uses the filmic language of horror movies in order to adapt it. I feel like that would be interesting. There's something to be said about horror movies being these blood sport things like we enjoy watching people get murdered that is what horror movies are about for some reason we watch these things in which people get murdered and titus exists kind of on that same level of why are we watching this and like you said it's because it's weird it's enticing it draws you in because it's so weird If someone were to say, we're going to go watch a Shakespeare play, this isn't what you'd expect, typically. No, no. Do you want to do MVP? Yeah. It's Aaron. I agree with you that it's Aaron, but it's only Aaron because Aaron has more to do. It's an unfair thing because Aaron is the most compelling character in Titus, in my opinion. I like Tamara. I think Jessica Lange does a great job, so I want to give her credit. I think Anthony Hopkins is doing a great, fantastic job with a character who I dislike strongly. And I think that I want to give it to Anthony Hopkins, but I feel like I'm, I would only do that because he's Titus. Yeah. Because he has the most to do. But I think he does play this horrid character, like you mentioned, in a way that I hate him. Yeah. But, Like, he's doing a good job. See, I'm like, my only reason I don't vote for him is because there are two separate times that I'm like, stop shouting. But also, he has so many more lines than anyone else. So, like, I mean, other people didn't get a chance to say lines ways I didn't like. Yeah. And also, he does the thing where, uh, we didn't mention it, but he does the thing where he laughs because he can't cry anymore, which is my favorite thing that a character can do. He does hump Chiron, though. Mm, points against points against him again yeah i'll go with aaron let's just go with aaron Aaron it is what would shakespeare say about this film i think if shakespeare saw this film 
he would say, And if thy Boz Lerman, Romeo and Juliet's were ever dear to thee, oh, think my Julie Tamor Titus to be as dear to me. So you're saying, like, all of y'all out there defend Romeo plus Juliet so much, let me have Julie Tamor's yes. Titus then? Yeah. Man? Yeah. I agree. Yeah! So, Megan, I missed something. What? What did Robert E. Jer think of this movie? Roger Ebert gave this film 3.5 stars, which is really good. He compared this film to Scream and horror movies like we previously mentioned. What he does say is this, which I love. There's no lesson to be learned from Titus Andronicus. (laughs) No. Yeah, no. (laughs) It is a tragedy without a hero, without values, without a point, and therefore as modern as a horror exploitation film or a video game. Disagree on video games. Yeah. Also, like, like a excuse horror... you, a lot of video games don't have plots. Come on. I also, like, I get horror exploitation. Yes. That's true. But video games? Yeah, a horror exploitative video game. You're right. Yeah, okay, Tetris is just like this. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, people in the 90s were, like, huge on saying, no, like, no. oh, yeah, well, uh, all films are film, right? Or let's compare all RPGs to Dungeons & Dragons, because that's the... Only one. Yeah. That's what they all are. It is not a catharsis, but a killing gallery where the characters speak in poetry. Freed from pious meaning, the actors bury themselves in technique and the opportunity of stylized melodrama. Anyone who doesn't enjoy this film, for what it is, must explain, how could it be more? This is the film Shakespeare's play deserves, and perhaps even a little more. Aww, that's such a nice review. Yeah. For a film that made, like, no money. Like, and the funny thing is, I'm like, yeah, what more would you want? And the only thing I could find that maybe someone would say is, less. That's literally the problems we have with this film is, cut this here. You did a little too much sometimes. Megan, if this film had cut the moments that we talked about and... I would be like, perfect film. And had Anthony Hopkins not scream the two times he does in this movie that you dislike... It'd be a great adaptation. Yes. It'd be a 10 out of 10. Anyway, Megan, speaking of film ratings, what would you rate Titus, all caps? 20 kisses out of 25 sons. That's pretty good, Megan. I would rate Titus four out of the five Julie Taymor films I've seen. (laughs) Because I've seen all but the glorious. Because nobody saw that except for the Netherlands. All right, I think that's going to do it for us here on Avant Bard. If you liked what you heard, please follow us on all social media at Avant Bard Pod. And if you really liked what you heard, give us money at patreon.com slash Avant Pod. Bloopers for this episode will be up on Patreon next week. But until then, we will see you anon. Well, I'm going to chop my hand off. Avant Bard is created by Matthew James Marquez and Megan Charlow. To support the show, visit patreon.com slash avantbardpod. We would like to thank Riley Allen for the creation of our theme music, Cloverkin for our logo artwork, and everyone in the audience for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Avant Bard, you can visit us on all social media platforms at avantbardpod.